This is the Point of Drew Podcast. What is going on, Druthers? It's your boy Barton. Back as always with my main man Z. Uh, what's going on, Z? How are we doing today? I'm fired up, man. We've got the play-in tournament going on right now. The NBA playoffs are here. It's my uh, my favorite sport, my favorite time of the year in the sport, and I- I'm pumped for it, man. I'm ready to go. I, I can see the excitement on your face, man. I'm uh, I'm I'm thrilled to be breaking down kind of the, the NBA playoffs as promised to the listeners. Um, it is starting this week with the playing tournament, as you just mentioned. Um, so we'll run through and, and on this episode, go through some of the matchups to look out for in the first round. Um, we'll also touch on uh, a little bit of the PGA Championship. That's more in my wheelhouse, but it's also coming up this week. Um, but a lot to cover this episode. I'm super excited. Yeah, definitely. It'll be a good one. And, and yeah, we're definitely uh, defaulting to you on the PGA Championship side of things. Uh, but excited to hear a little bit about that as well. So, um, you know, before we dive into the NBA playoffs, you know where we're going to start? It's Jersey Corner. This week we've got 29, number 29. We've had a, a stretch where we've agreed on a few, come to consensus answers the last couple. I'm, I'm interested to see where we go with this one. So before we pick our winners, let's hear a few honorable mentions for you for the Jersey 29. Yeah, fingers crossed we don't agree on this one. We need to mix it up a little bit here. But, yeah, moving on with some honorable mentions. The first guy I want to shout out, uh, John Smoltz, uh, the longtime Atlanta Brave pitcher. Um, He was really a top five pitcher in the MLB for two decades um, during the 90s and then into the 2000s. Um, That uh, kind of career led him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, He had a Cy Young. He had a World Series. Um, all that baseball stuff's great. What I really love John Smoltz for and why he's on this list is because after his MLB career, the guy earned his PGA Champions Tour card. So he's actively currently a professional golfer on the senior tour, um, which is pretty crazy. Uh, quoted by Tiger Woods, he's, Tiger Woods said this, uh, he's the best non-tour player he's ever played with. So John hey. Smoltz, a, a hell of a golfer. He's out on the course with Tiger Woods, with Doc Rivers, a lot of guys all the time. It goes back to the days in Atlanta. That's how he knows Doc. But um, John Smoltz, a, 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 great, a terrific pitcher and a great career in the MLB. But the reason why he makes my list as an honorable mention, uh, his career as a golfer, uh, and it's still going on. Still got his tour card. So uh, good luck to Smoltz as he, uh, he continues his, his pursuit of, of uh, um, you know, winning tournaments in, in, as a PGA Tour pro. <laughs> um, pretty crazy stuff. The other honorable mention I have to shout out, um, this one just goes with being a Chiefs fan. It's Eric Berry. Um, the guy's a cancer survivor. One of my favorite Kansas City Chiefs ever. Just a terrific player, terrific guy. Um, when I see it, when I see the number 29, I can't help but think of Eric Berry. So those are my two guys that I'm, I'm shouting out. Love it. Um, my uh, honorable mention list is very similar. Uh, first guy I was going to shout out was John Smoltz, although I wasn't going to shout him out for anything he's done on the golf course. I was going to stick yeah. to his Hall of Fame baseball career. 
being one of the most dominant pitchers the uh, the sports ever seen. So that was my uh, my honorable mention for Smoltz was uh, the baseball aspect of it, but love the golf side of it too for him. <laughs> uh, and I was going to shout out Eric Berry as well. Um, really share the same sentiment you just had on Eric Berry. He is one of my favorite Chiefs that I've ever gotten the chance to watch. The story is incredible. Just the guy he is is incredible. Um, meant a lot to KC, just the, the energy he would bring to that team. Um, you know, some some years our defense was really good with him. Some years it yeah. was horrible, and he was the guy that could actually make a difference for the team on the defensive side of the ball. So loved watching EB while he was in KC. Um, in the last shout-out I have, Eric Dickerson. Um I don't know if maybe he is still to come on, on your list, but he was going to wrap up my list there. Um, so those are my three guys that definitely deserved honorable mention. John Smoltz, Eric Berry, Eric Dickerson. Interested to hear who you've got as the winner, the best ever wear 29. Yeah, man, we're really, we're really on the same page again with this number. Um, and to no surprise, my winner at 29, Eric Dickerson. Uh, it's a little bit of an SMU homer pick, but I had to throw him out there. Uh, he was a member of that Pony Express uh, team during the SMU glory days. Uh, just being as an SMU alum myself, I definitely heard some some crazy stories about Dickerson and Craig James back in the day. Um, you know, later came out that they were getting paid quite handsomely uh, by SMU during their college career. But um, at the time, I, they were – driving around in sports cars, had all the swag, all the jewelry, everything. Um, so what a, what a kill to have been a, at SMU during the heyday of our, uh, you know, co college's football uh, existence, as well as just kind of seeing those guys around campus, quite, quite celebrities, I bet they were. So um, Eric Dickerson, member of the Pony Express, also a terrific NFL career, as you alluded to, dominated the 80s, four rushing titles, has the most rushing yards ever in one single season. And so – um, you know, he's a top five running back of all time when it's when it's all said and done. And uh, that's why he's my best athlete to ever put on the number 29 jersey. Go Mustangs, baby. <laughs> I'd love to hear that. He's definitely deserving. And when I started thinking about it, um, uh, who I was going to pick for 29, uh, immediately Eric Dickerson was the guy I started looking up and seeing at the top of every list. Uh, so he's definitely very worthy of taking home that award. But I'm going a little bit different of a direction. We are not going to have a consensus winner this time. The guy I'm picking for the best ever to wear 29 is a guy who, who a baseball player who didn't even make his major league baseball debut until age 42. The longtime great Kansas city Monarch satchel page. Oh, wow. Uh, is my winner for the Jersey number 29. Um, Played most of his, uh, I guess what you could call his prime years with the Kansas City Monarchs. Um, kind of bounced around a few other Negro League teams uh, before age 42, like I mentioned, making that debut in the MLB. Um, I think he started his career in the MLB with the Indians. And, uh, uh, you know, just the legend of Satchel Page cannot be understated um, or overstated, I mean. But uh, the – he uh, has the all-time record. So uh, there was a game he pitched against the White Sox back in 1948, which is when he made his major league debut. Um, 
He pitched in front of 78,382 fans at Cleveland Stadium, which still today is the all-time record for attendance at a baseball game. Um, So that's crazy. And then another crazy story that I've heard before about Satchel Paige is uh, just the confidence he played with, how there were times when, uh, you know, he would intentionally walk the bases loaded with two outs and then turn around to his outfield and tell them all to, to come in, go to the bench, because he knew he would strike <laughs> out the next guy. Uh, just some of that swag that he played with, the confidence he had uh, to be as great as he was, definitely is the guy that I am rolling with as the best to ever put on that 29. Dude, I love it. That's a, it's a historical one. Um, it's one that I wouldn't have thought of, uh, but the Negro League legend, Satchel Page. I wish we saw more of those antics uh, in baseball today. It would probably make, oh, make the game a little bit more exciting, getting the outfielders to come in, walking the bases <laughs> loaded. Man, that's awesome. And, and the attendance stats, too. Baseball really was America's pastime if you're pulling a crowd like that. And so Satchel Page, the uh, the 42-year-old rookie with a rocket arm um, exactly. and the Negro League legend. That's, that's awesome, man. Good, good stuff on 29. Yeah, two great legends there, Eric Dickerson. Satchel Page, the two best to wear number 29. We're going to hop into the NBA playoffs. We'll break it all down, but you know where we got to go first. We know who we've got a message from, and that is our friends over at Shug's Bagels. All right, Z, let's play a little game of fact or fiction. Let's do it. Fact or fiction. Shug's has the best bagels, rolls, and wraps south of the Big Apple. Ah, facts. That is correct. One for one. Off to a hot start. Fact or fiction? Shug's recently replaced Wheaties as the true breakfast of champions. <laughs> uh, sounds right to me. Fact. Correct again. He's heating up. Fact or fiction? Shug's has the best bagels in all of Texas. Oh, you already know that's big facts. Yes, that is right again. Three for three. Shug's Bagels is, in fact, all of those things and more. And they'll be open all week, serving up that ooey-gooey goodness. Go check them out in Park City's Village near SMU campus and on social media at Shug's Bagels. Shug's Bagels, the bagel that Texas deserves. Okay, guys, so... Here's how we are going to preview these first round NBA playoff matchups. Um, Z, you're going to give me a, a high level overview of each matchup, run through kind of who's playing who, what the seeding is, and, uh, and touch on any major storylines uh, going into the matchup. Uh, I'm going to follow that up uh, by asking you a few questions about each matchup. Um, does that sound good? Yeah, definitely. That sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Cool. And a, and a disclaimer for, for all the listeners out there, uh, there are three matchups that are not yet set because of the playing tournament. And so, uh, you know, there's one in the East and two in the West that are to be determined. Unfortunately, nor Z and I can tell the future. Uh, so we will only be previewing uh, the matchups that have been set. Um, so let's just go ahead and start in the Eastern Conference. You want to take us off, Z? Yeah, definitely. And, and like you mentioned, we don't know how the play-in is uh, going to turn out. It is uh, Wednesday night as we're recording, um, halftime of the uh, the Spurs-Grizzlies game. And so the Grizzlies are uh, Grizzlies are up by seven points at half. So we'll see. Uh, they, they will play the 
uh, loser of the Warriors Lakers game for that eight seed. So we'll see how that one turns out. But last night we saw a couple, um, you know, not so fun games. Neither of them were all that close, but the Celtics, um, you know, kind of routed the Wizards, grabbed that uh, that seven seed. So they'll play the Nets, but um, we'll start with the games we know, like you mentioned. And really, I think the matchup in the East that I wanted to hit on first, the one that excites me the most, the series maybe in the entire playoffs that I'm looking forward to most is this 4-5 matchup in the East between the Knicks and the Hawks. Um, and I think what makes it so fun is that it's two completely new names. Two teams we have not seen in the playoffs for a while. It's been since 2013 for the Knicks, 2016 for the Hawks, the last time those two teams made the playoffs. Um, So it's going to be a fun one. And I really don't know what to expect other than we are probably about to see the the classic battle of offense versus defense. Uh, The Hawks are a top 10 offense in the league. They have a bottom 10 defense in the league. The Knicks are a, a top five defense in the league but a bottom 10 offense. So they're the complete opposite when it comes to playing styles. Uh, But everything about this matchup uh, is going to be insane. It's going to be fun to see games happening back in the garden, uh, the Knicks back on the big stage, and then a young, super fun Hawks team coming up in the playoffs for the first time with this core squad. So it's a good matchup. I mean, I, it's the one that definitely jumps out uh, for me as well. Two new names, like you mentioned. Uh, the Knicks are finally back in the playoffs after after quite a drought. They're hosting a playoff game. The Hawks are a lot of fun. That high-octane offense um, should be a really fun uh, first-round series between those two teams. Jumping into a couple questions about the series, uh, why don't you just jump out and name a, a key to victory for each team? Yeah, so – uh, I really think the key to victory for the Knicks is going to be keeping that uh, defensive intensity in the series. Uh, we know that's what the Knicks did all regular season. We know that's Tom Thibodeau's uh, entire mantra is, is defensive intensity. Um, but this is probably um, one of the, the most offensively explosive teams in the Eastern right. conference when they're hot, this, uh, you know, there, there's no stopping this Hawks off. They can fill it up. Firing on all cylinders. They can fill it up. They've got one of the best shooters in the league uh, and several good shooters around them on that team. So uh, they're really going to have to defend the perimeter well. Uh, they're going to have to stop Capella inside too. So for the Knicks, it's really just keeping up that defensive intensity that they've, they've shown all year. For the yeah. – uh, yeah, and then I guess on the flip side there, for the Hawks um, – I mean, it, it is – it's the same thing. It really is just staying in their groove offensively, finding their flow. I don't think either of these teams necessarily is going to win by uh, doing the opposite of what they've done all season. It is, like I mentioned, the, the battle of offense versus defense. Right. Um, and I think it's – I think the Hawks need to lean into being the better offense. The Knicks need to lean into being the best possible defense. It's not going to be any combination of it. It just depends who's going to have it. Uh, if it's the offense or the defense that wins this one. Yeah, those uh, those contrasting styles should really make for a fun series. So I'm excited to uh, to watch this one. Is there a player in this series, one player out of both teams that uh, you want to keep an eye on? 
Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it's pretty clear. There's a very clear top two players in this series, just in terms of talent. Obviously, Julius Randle, obviously Trey Young. They are the two best players that will be in this in this series. But I think Bogdan Bogdanovich um, is going to be the key. It depends uh, how he comes out and plays. He has all the tools he needs to to be the third best player in this series. Um, if he shows out like he has been the last two months of the season since the all-star break, he will be the best, the third best player in the series. And uh, a lot is riding on him. He, this is obviously his first year in the playoffs after being in the, uh, with the Kings the last couple of years, they uh, obviously are not seeing any type of uh, playoffs, but uh, if Bogdanovich can really put it together and, and be a 25 point per game guy, like we've seen lately from him, uh, I think the Hawks do have enough to to take down the Knicks. Bogdan has had quite a year. Uh, I'm glad he got out of Sacramento and is, is finally seeing the postseason. I know Milwaukee's probably kicking themselves. They tried to get him oh, in the yeah. offseason. We're not able to. I'm sure they'd be feeling better about their chances uh, of a finals run if they had him as a piece. But um, makes a lot of sense there. So we'll keep an eye on Bogdan in, in this series. Final question for you, then we'll move on. Who scores the most points in this series, Julius Randle or Trey Young? It's going to be Trey Young. Um, I do think the the Hawks have several different defensive options to throw at Julius Randle, whether it's DeAndre Hunter um, or throwing some smaller guys on him like Cam Reddish will take some, some turns. Uh, they've got Gallo if, if you want to – and Gallo's not doing a whole lot on, on defense, but just a different look, whereas – with the Knicks, guarding Trey Young is going to be a, a tall task. I think uh, Alfred Payton, not a great defender. You've got a rookie in Emmanuel Quickly who definitely doesn't have a defense to keep up with a, a guy like Trey Young. Um, I mean, you've got Frank Nilakina, who is one of the best guard defenders in the league, but is almost unplayable sometimes, especially in a playoff series, just due to his complete – um, you know, zero on the offensive end. So sure. uh, I, I think the Knicks will have some struggles guarding Trey Young. I think Trey Young's probably going to light it up and score some points. Yeah, I would not want to bet against Trey Young in, in that matchup. Even though Randall, he's had a great year, no one can quite light it up like Trey King. Uh, and so that's a good pick. Let's move on. Next series, what do you want to cover? Um, let's just stay over in the East and, and we'll go to that three, six matchup, the bucks and the heat, a, a rematch of a series that we saw last year where the heat absolutely dominated. Um, sure. You can say, uh, Giannis was banged up and he was, um, got hurt in several different games and then eventually had to end up missing, uh, the, the final game of that series with the ankle sprain, uh, but it, even while he was on the court, the Heat were dominating. Like I mentioned, uh, Bam Adebayo was great. Jimmy Butler was really proving um, that he is worth anything and everything that anyone could throw at him. Um, but I have a very different feeling about this series this year. It is not going to be the same series we saw. This Bucks team is very different. They're playing a different style. Um, Giannis is still MVP Giannis. Uh, I think Chris Middleton has actually taken a, a step up this season, um, is ready to be great in the playoffs. And, and I think Drew Holiday is a huge addition on this Bucks team. Is exactly what they were missing last year when they just needed someone who could control the ball, 
slow things down. Um, so I'm excited for this series. I think, uh, I think it's, even though it's a rematch of a series we saw last year, I think it's going to be a completely different story this time around. Yeah, we saw what happened last year. The surprise, the heat pulling off the upset. They may do it again this year. We'll see. Um, what's the key for, to victory for each team? How are the Bucs going to uh, avoid an upset here? So I think the key for the Bucs is to come in, um, you know, with a new game plan. They cannot just default back to what they've done the last couple of postseasons. I think a lot rides on the coaching staff in Milwaukee. Um, if they're able to make some changes, make the adjustments they saw, learn from their loss last year, um, and come back and know how to scheme against one of the best coaches in Eric Spolstra, um, know that Spolstra is going to come with some fire going to have a game plan ready. Um, and I think Milwaukee's biggest key to victory is learning from last year um, and knowing what they need to do this year to, to get over the hump. And that then, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. with the Heat, you know, how are they going to repeat history and pull off another upset here? I think that the biggest thing for the Heat would probably be to, to steal a game early in the series. Get out there game one, yep. rattle up the Bucks, make them – uh, you know, just get in their heads, show, show, take that confidence away from them. I think the Bucks are coming into the series with some confidence. And if the Heat go in there and steal one immediately in game one, uh, I'm not sure what we're going to see out of this Bucks team. I don't know how resilient they necessarily are. Where we know this Heat team is super tough. They come with some fire. They come with intensity. And uh, they're ready to put, you know, their uh, – foot on the pedal and just go. And so if they can steal a game early, really rattle the bucks, I think we'd actually be in for a pretty long and intriguing series. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, the heat, they got a, a bunch of badasses on their roster between bam, between Jimmy Butler, between guys like Andre Iguodala, who's been there before. And like you were kind of saying, they need to make this not a basketball series, but a fight. They need to play bully ball and get out there and intimidate uh, their opponent. And so that that makes a lot of sense for Miami making this one a series. Final question for you on this series. If the Bucks lose and exit in the first round, what changes can they make in the offseason to improve their chances next year? Because they got Drew and Giannis locked down on multi-year contracts now. And Middleton's not a free agent for another three years until 2024. If they if they lose in the first round, I mean, it's a huge failure. What do they do? What's their game plan from here? Yeah, it really is uh, an interesting question. And and besides just all of the – you know, they do have the, their three best players locked up, um, but they also have traded away all of their draft picks. They're not taking a guy in the draft for the next several years. Um, but I don't think the problem would lie with the players – or, or the actual roster construction, I think it would probably shift to the coaching staff. We've already heard uh, Budenholzer's name been thrown out there as a guy who could be on the hot seat if the Bucks have an early exit this year. And I think that would likely be the case because this roster is built to, to make a run at the playoffs. They have one of the best players we've ever seen in his prime, ready to win. He's young. They have the right pieces around him. They need to get a coach who – you know, knows what to do, is able to make the adjustments um, exactly like I talked about, how it is the key for the Bucks to make those adjustments, come in with a new game plan because their, their game plan the last two postseasons clearly has not worked. So 
Um, if they do the exact same thing this year and flame out in the series, uh, I think Coach Budenholzer is definitely the change that gets made. Makes a lot of sense. They're pretty constrained from a, a roster standpoint. So um, with the coaching change, definitely looks likely uh, if they're not able to get out of the first round here. Let's move to the final series. We're going to be covering the Eastern Conference today. Take it away. Nets Celts, I think. Yep, Net Celtics is the uh, the final one we know of so far. Um, still don't know who the Sixers are going to play, um, whether that is uh, the Pacers that they play or the Wizards. That's still to be determined. So the last series is that Nets Celtics series. And uh, this one, it, I still don't know if this is even going to be that great of a series, but there are some fun storylines that I'll definitely be watching for. Um, you know, first one is Kyrie Irving. We know his history with the Boston Celtics. We know how he is received by Boston media, by Boston fans. And this is going to be his first time back playing in TD Garden in Boston with fans in the stands. Um, I'm sure he will be hearing all sorts of things. And unfortunately, we'll probably be hearing all sorts of things from the media uh, as well. That You know, just probably isn't going to be fair to Kyrie, but that is a big storyline that I think does actually, uh, you know, play some sort of role in the series, um, but probably isn't going to have an outcome in the actual, um, you know, scoring. But um, I also think uh, another storyline that I'm excited to watch is Jason Tatum. He was incredible in the play in game against Washington 50 ball on, on Beal and Russ's head. Um, no one could stop him. And I'm excited to see if he can keep that role. And he's a guy that, even though he, he's a fairly young player in a young career, he's been in the postseason every year and he's upped his game in the postseason every year. Tatum's a superstar now. That is how good he is. He's a guy who's probably going to be in MVP conversations for years to come. Um, and this is a chance for him to go out there and prove that he deserves to be in those conversations. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Celtics don't have enough to beat the Nets. There's just really no way it happens. But there is a, there is going to be an opportunity for Tatum to prove that he is a superstar and can really make some noise. He's one of the best players in the league. So I'm excited for that. I think we're going to find out a lot about Tatum in this series. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. I think most any NBA fan would agree the Celtics likely aren't getting out of this series. Uh, that said – is there a key to victory for this team to steal a couple games? Yeah, so I would say there is a key. Um, you know, I'd say there's two different things in terms of keys that I'm watching for. I'd say number one, though, for the Cel the Celtics side of things, uh, the key is going to be Kimba Walker, the way he shows up. Um, I I'm really interested to see what Kimba can do. Uh, he was great in the play-in game, but has been shaky all year. He's hot and cold on and off. Uh, it just depends what version of Kimba actually shows up. If we get that cardiac Kimba, the guy who we know loves the big moment, loves the big stage, um, there is an opportunity for Boston to make this a competitive series um, every single game, make every game competitive, um, and maybe steal a couple. Kimba Walker can be incredible, um, and, and the Nets clearly don't have top-level uh, guard defenders. Uh Kyrie and, and Harden, great players, obviously. Sure. But uh, I don't know if anyone can guard Kimba all that well. So if Kimba shows out, uh, I think this could be a competitive matchup. 
Um, for the Nets, on the Nets side of things, in terms of the keys to victory, uh, I mean, we know what their players can do, and, and really they don't even need keys to victory. But I think it'll be interesting to see what we learn about Steve Nash. This is obviously his first year as a head coach in the NBA, his first playoff experience as a coach. So I'm interested to see, um, you know, if he has some sort of game plan, because as the uh, the playoffs develop, as the Nets likely move forward um, and, and move deeper and deeper into the playoffs, it's probably going to reach a point where Steve Nash can't just roll the ball out there and say, KD, Kyrie, Harden, go get us a win. He's going to have to mm-hmm. draw some things up. He's going to have to scheme. He's going to have to put in different rotations and know how to actually coach a team. So interested to see what we learned from Nash in the series. Yeah, that's something I hadn't really thought about it, is how Nash will play a role in this series and in, in the Nets run as a whole. So good good shout there. Um, and on that note, is there a player or coach, if you want to go there, to watch for in this series? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of already hit on it, but I think it is Kimba. I think yeah. he is the, uh, the biggest X factor in the series in terms of whether or not Boston can steal a few games, uh, I think a lot hinges on uh, Kimba Walker's shoulders there. Yep, and my final question on this series, which player will put up the most points? You got Tatum coming off a 50 ball in the play-in. KD, we know he can give buckets. Kyrie and Harden are both on the floor as well. It's a tough question, but who are you going with? Man, that is a tough question because there's about four guys that will probably all average 30 points in the series. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say probably say Kyrie Irving. Um, I just think – I don't know. I, I would assume Marcus Smart will probably take the, uh, the James Harden matchup. Um, I mean, Tatum will probably work on uh, Durant for the most part defensively. Um, and Kyrie may just get the Kimba Walker assignment and, and may have a field day on Kimba. So I don't know. That's a tough question, but at the end of the day, I I'd pick Kyrie. Yeah. I agree with the logic there. If he, I mean, it's the best matchup, why not? They're all, they all can, as we know, they can all get buckets. And so good shout there. Let's move over to the Western conference, just two, two series to, uh, to preview here that are already set. Uh, we'll have the two more, at least one more be set later tonight uh, when the Warriors play the Lakers. Um, but which, which series do you want to hit on first at, out West? So first one we can cover out West. Uh, let's start with the four or five again. Um, this, this time in the West, it is the Clippers and the Mavericks. Another playoff rematch from last season. Um, this was a six game series last year. Uh, and we saw some heroics from Luca. You know, he had the step back 30 foot buzzer beater for the win. Uh, I think that was maybe game four or five of that series. Um, the Clippers did outlast them and won that in six, but, um, you know, I do think the Ma- Mavericks actually match up a little bit better this time. However, I think the Clippers are even better this year. I think they're more motivated this year. There was so much talk about the Clippers last year. They were, you know, feisty. They were just trying to get in everyone's heads. I think they were just kind of new to the scene. Didn't quite know how to act, how to play, how to treat the playoffs in the postseason. Whereas I think this year, they just seem a little bit more, I don't even know how to put it, grown up isn't the right term to use, but they just seem like a team that's been keeping their head down all year. They've played hard, they've played really good, and are ready to just prove it in this year's playoff. Enough with the talk, enough with the the whole Battle of L.A. Um, you know, story. 
it's just about coming in and proving it this year for the Clippers. I think they're ready to uh, to do that. Yeah, I think the word might that you're looking for might be focused. I mean, yeah, the bright is. lights, the, the the all the playoff stuff, just extracurricular stuff going on, all the talk, all the media. Um, they just seem focused on winning uh, and moving on and advancing and getting to the finals. And so um, that is quite different than last year. We'll see how it uh, it impacts their their run here. This this playoff, this playoff run. Um, let's hit on a couple of the keys to victory for, for the Clippers. Let's start with the Clippers and then go to the Mavericks. Yeah. So for the Clippers, um, I mean, their key to victory is just sticking with the game plan. Uh, I mean, they have two amazing wings uh, and really the weakness of this Mavericks team is their wings. Um, yeah. You know, they got Dorian Finney-Smith and um, Josh Richardson. Great players, but nowhere near the type of players. That <laughs> I don't know if I'd say great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just a tough matchup in terms of that wing play. Um, so for the Clippers, get the ball in those guys' hands. Let them be great. Uh, I think Paul George is coming in with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, there is maybe – not been a player as good as Paul George that has gotten as much slander as Paul George gets. And some of it is deserved with, uh, you know, the way they flamed out in the bubble last year. Um, you know, the three, one comeback by, by Denver to knock them out. Uh, the jokes were made and the jokes were great, but I think Paul George is sick of it. I think Paul George is going to uh, come into the series ready to rip some heads in and just go off. So I think Paul George, uh, just the way he plays, is going to be the key for the Clippers. Then on the Mavericks side of things, um, you know, this kind of goes along with a, a player that I think makes the biggest difference. But I think Porzingis is the entire key that will unlock everything for uh, the Mavericks. We know what we're going to get out of Luka. Wouldn't surprise me if he finishes this the series averaging 30, 15, and 10. Um, you know, that's what we've come to expect from Luka. He is that good. But Porzingis, we still don't know exactly what he is, what he can be. Um, and, you know, it depends on if he's ready to be the guy that we know he had the potential to become. Um, we've always viewed Porzingis as a guy with the, some of the most potential in the entire league to turn into the seven foot three unicorn who can shoot from 30 feet, who can dominate in the post, who can be a, a really good defender. If he becomes all of those things in this series, uh, I think we'll actually have a really good battle. You really, you kind of read my mind there, man, because I had one, one more question on this series written down for you, and it was who, who's the most important player for the Mavericks other than Luka? But I think you just got that one answered. Yeah, uh, my answer would definitely be Porzingis. I just think this is a chance to prove it. Um, you know, there's so much hype around him uh, in New York, and then that obviously ended terribly. Uh, they traded him away, wanted to get rid of him. The Mavericks paid him a max contract, thought he was the answer to pair with Luka. Um, and then even this year, his name's getting thrown around at the trade deadline. Um, and I think it really is time for Porzingis to prove it because he is incredible when he is on his game. Um, you know, last year, I think a lot of his struggles were that he was just not willing to post up. He didn't want to play the five. He was trying to play power forward. This year, he has kind of embraced more of the center role. He's been really good on his post-ups, really good around the basket. Um, 
has learned that he doesn't need to just turn around and fade away every time he's 10 feet from the basket. Yeah. He actually has the strength to kind of muscle up to some shorter and smaller defenders and, and really make do with, you know, some of his talent. So I think Porzingis is a huge key for, for the uh, Mavericks, especially um, just because of the, uh, the Clippers center rotation um, is a little bit strange this year that they, they um, you know, they'll, they'll be starting Zubak. Uh, they'll have Serge Ibaka off the bench, but I think both of those guys are, uh, you know, matchups that Porzingis has an advantage in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a prove-it series for a couple of those guys. Paul George uh, trying to shake the the playoff P nickname and finally yeah, definitely. have some playoff success. And then Christoph Porzingis just has kind of underwhelmed so far throughout his career. And so a big chance for him to really uh, right the ship there. Um, so good stuff on that series. Moving on, last Western Conference series we're going to cover on this podcast, Nugs Blazers. What you got for me? So I will start this off by saying that this is the series that we know of so far. So Lakers are not included in this statement, but I think this 6-3 matchup between the Nuggets and the Blazers is the first round series that is the most likely to have an upset occur. Um, I really, uh, you know, trying to take bias. Is that that an unbiased opinion? I am trying to take bias out of this. We know I'm a Trailblazers fan, but I really do think there is a chance for the Trailblazers to make this a long and competitive series. Um, And I say that knowing and thinking that the Nuggets are the better team here. Um, But no Jamal Murray obviously hurts the Nuggets. Um, We know how much he brings to this team. Just watching what he did in the bubble last year, he was incredible. And to know that he is just being taken out of that that Nuggets lineup this time around uh, really does affect the Nuggets. Um, Portland's been super hot this last stretch of the season. Uh, They've won eight of their last 11 games. They've been number one in the league on offense since the all-star break. Um, Neither of these teams plays any type of defense, which definitely bodes well for fun basketball. Um, But I think it's going to be a really fun series. And, um, you know, if the Trailblazers are able to at least slow down the Nuggets offense, um, I, I do think the Trailblazers are in a position where they could steal a few games and if it gets to a game six, game seven, and, uh, you know, crunch time in the game on the line, I don't know if there's another player you'd rather have than Damian Lillard. So we'll see if it comes to that. Um, we'll see if the Blazers can actually set themselves up to get into that position. But if they do, I think there is a, a possibility for an upset in the works. Yeah, it sounds like so you're impartially leaning towards uh, the Blazers to take home this series. How are they going to get that done? What's a key to victory for them? So I really say the uh, the biggest key to victory is just probably slowing down Jokic. Uh, it sounds impossible, um, but we have to do it somehow. Uh, and, and even if we don't slow down, we have to slow down the, the other pieces on that Nuggets offense. The Blazers have had one of the worst three or four defenses throughout the entire season. Uh, the last like month and a half, two months of the season, they've been right around league average. So they have improved on defense, um, but going into this matchup, it, it's going to be a tall task for the Portland defense. They really are going to have to take everyone out of this game that isn't named Nikola Jokic. Um, they'll have to slow down Michael Porter, which they'll definitely have trouble with. They struggle against big wings, um, but Denver is 
working with several different injuries, um, trying to battle through a, a few guys. Uh, will Barton will be coming back sometime in this series. PJ Dozier will be coming back sometime in the series. Um, but those guys aren't going to be a hundred percent. So if Portland can slow down all the other pieces on this Nuggets team, uh, they do have a shot at really sl- just making some noise in terms of a competitive series. That makes sense. And uh, and on the flip side, how about the Nuggets? How are they going to pull off a, a win in this series? Uh, the Nuggets are going to pull off a win in the series because they have one of the top five players in the world. Uh, the guy who has been the best player in the league all season. He is the MVP, and this is his chance to come out and prove it. Um, Jokic is that good. The Portland defense can be that bad. Um, Aaron Gordon is a huge addition to this offense. I think uh, there's just a lot riding on this series for the Nuggets, and I think the Nuggets are very prepared. Um, and, And this Portland team has been really shaky. No one really knows what they truly are. Um, you know, going into the season, it looked like they had a killer off season. We're uh, going to be a top, you know, three or four. Some people are even saying a top two team in the West. Um, other times throughout this uh, season, it looked like, oh, they're maybe a playing team, but that's it. You know, no chance for them to move forward. And um, whereas with the Nuggets, the story was pretty clear all year. They have one of the best players in the game. He's been the best player in the league this year, um, and they've been really consistent ever since the first month of the season where they were a little bit slow. Yep. It's it's a real bummer that Jamal Murray uh, won't be a part of uh, this postseason run because, A, how much fun he was last year, but, B, uh, you know, the Nuggets, I think a lot of people would be picking them to come out of the West if they did have Jamal, just given the way you Definitely. know he's played and so. Um, that really wraps things up. We've hit on, you know, two series that are set in the West, three series that are set in the East. That's good stuff. But with all that said, it leads us to uh, everyone knows it's coming. <laughs> Do you have a finals prediction? Who comes out of each conference? I want to know. Let's start with the East and then we'll work our way to the West. Yeah. So this is the least confident I've ever been in a uh, you know, pre postseason finals prediction, um, man, I, you know, I was all over the Lakers last year. I just thought they had everything to do it this year. There's not a team that I have much confidence in. Um, but I think in the Eastern conference, I'm riding with the Bucks. Um, everything I've seen from the Bucks tells me that they are a a team who is good enough to get to the finals. I think they are a team that is good enough to knock off this Nets team um, for several different reasons. I think they match up well defensively. I do think they can cause problems offensively. They have a a new game. I think, uh, I think Boonholzer is ready to implement some new game plans, change up his style. He's ready to acknowledge that what he was trying in the past did not work and try something new. Um, I just have faith in this Bucks team that they are ready to get over the hump, knock off the two teams ahead of them in the East and make it to the finals. So the Bucks are my Eastern Conference uh, winners. Coach Coach Budenholzer uh, would love hearing that. That would probably lead to uh, another uh, – he'd be coming back next year at least. He'd be employed uh, by the Bucks organization further. Who do you like out of the West? Again, out of the West – Little confidence here, um, but a, another team who has had 
playoff struggles in the past, got knocked off neck last year by the Denver Nuggets. And that is the Los Angeles Clippers. I think the Clippers are the team I'm most confident in to come out of the West. I think the Lakers have some real issues. I'm not entirely sold that the best team in the, the Western Conference is the Jazz, as good as they've been. I'm not quite ready to, to put the Phoenix Suns into the, um, you know, into the NBA Finals. Um, they're still a young team with a, an old point guard, uh, but I don't think they are a team that has much playoff experience is ready to take a super deep finals run this year. Um, but I think the Clippers are, I think the Clippers are, um, you know, they loaded back up. It's a pretty similar roster to what they had last year, minus a few, uh, pieces like Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, who are obviously no longer there, but I think Kawhi and Paul George, now it's their second year together. It's Ty Lue's second year as their head coach. Um, and I think there are just a lot of good things from the Clippers that I've seen this year. So I think the, uh, the East. Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. I think uh, both teams that are making it out are the three seeds. Oh, no, I, never mind. The uh, the Clippers are the three four and seed. the four seed. The three and the yeah. four. So a little bit different. We're not getting a top one or two this year in my predictions. I think we're getting the three seed Bucks and the four seed Clippers. So well, that's my NBA Finals Clippers Bucks. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> yeah, not a super chalky prediction. You got, uh, you got the three seed coming out of the East and the Milwaukee Bucks and the four seed and the other Clippers. I, I do think the Clippers pick makes a lot of sense. Uh, I saw a stat they're shooting, I think, 42% from beyond the arc as a team this yeah. year. And so uh, that's pretty impressive, the fact they can uh, shoot the ball that well. They've got the wing defense of Kawhi Leonard uh, as well as Paul George. And so um, they, I think they're definitely gearing up for what looks like a, a long postseason run here. Um, but that covers it, man. You got Bucks and Clippers meeting each other uh, in the in the finals here in June. So we'll see how everything plays out. But I'm excited to watch it all unfold. I'm excited, too. And I think one of the things that makes it so exciting this year is there is no dominant team. There isn't someone where you're, you know, writing in for the finals yet. It is wide open. Anyone could take this. I think there's going to be some drama um who knows if the the lakers may not even beat the warriors tonight we'll see if the lakers even earn the uh, spot in the playoffs so anything can happen i'm excited to see it unfold but uh you know yeah that'll wrap it for this little postseason breakdown a little preview here um but up next after a short break we're going to move into the pga championship preview All right, Barton, like I mentioned, the PGA Championship coming up this weekend, teeing off on Thursday. It's a good one. It's a big one, but I'm I'm going to let you just run with it here. I, I need you to give us the full tournament overview. Tell us about the course, um, you know, the conditions on the course, some of the top storylines that, that we need to know about heading into this tournament. Take it away. Yeah, man. Uh, we can we go ahead and start with the course. Um, this one, this PGA Championship is being played at uh, Kiowa Island, the ocean course at Kiowa Island, aka God's Country. Um, our favorite course uh, to play on Tiger Woods growing up. It's got some scenic views. It's got a lot of water. Uh, Ten of the eighteen holes are along the ocean. 
Um, and so it's going to make for a, a great golf event in general. Um, you know, the, the course, like I mentioned, stunning, uh, basically plays like a links course with tons of open hills and sand dunes. Um, so it's, it's going to be aesthetically pleasing, no doubt, but it's also going to be difficult. Um, this is a Pete Dye uh, course. And so, as we know, Pete Dye likes to make uh, golf as difficult as he can on, Pete, on, on the players playing uh, on his course. Um, the weather here could be a potentially a factor. Um, you know, wind, it is 10 of the 18 holes, like I mentioned, are on the ocean, sitting right off the ocean. And so, um, you know, the wind, if it's swirling, could make a difference here this week. Uh, you know, the layout will likely favor longer hitters just because there is likely to be some wind just be with how many uh, holes are on the ocean. Um, so we'll see about the weather. Uh, no real rain in the forecast as of now, which I think is a good thing. Um, in terms of storylines, Rory is the last winner at Kiowa Island. Um, it was also the PGA back in uh, 2021 where he won by eight strokes, basically lapped the field. And so, uh, Rory is coming in this week as one of the favorites alongside of Bryson DeChambeau and John Rahm and Justin Thomas, the, the usual suspects there. Um, and so we'll see. Rory did not play well at Augusta uh, back a couple weeks ago, and he was he's considered one of the favorites there. So we'll see if he can defend his crown uh, at Kiowa this week. But um, it's, a, it's a packed and loaded field, really. It's uh, got a lot of the usual suspects. Like I mentioned, you got Bryson, you got JT. John Rahm, uh, DJ, Kepka, Jordan Spieth in the field. And so a lot of those big names will be out there. You got a couple of the up-and-comers as well with uh, guys like Will Zalatoris after his terrific finish at the Masters. Um, he'll be in this field uh, at Kiowa. And then, of course, uh, a point of Drew fan himself, uh, a friend of the podcast, the lefty legend, Brian Harmon, the old yes, swag kid, he's in the field, of course. Um, and he's a fun one to watch. And so great field. The weather should be good and an absolutely stunning course, um, you know, all, all in this PGA Championship in 2021. So excited. Should be a lot of fun. Definitely, man. I'm pumped to hear it's a Kiwa. Beautiful course. God's country. Uh, that was yes, the, the go-to for us back when we were playing Tiger Woods uh, video game. Kiowa was definitely the spot. So um gonna be fun to tune into this weekend. Uh, but in order to tune in, I need to know about some bets. I need to know where to put my money down. And I know you've got the advice for us. Um, so I, I'm gonna ask about a few bets here. Um, but first off, I just want uh to know who is a bet that we should place for a top 10 finish in this tournament. Yeah, so in terms of a top 10, the guy I like here uh, in terms of value is a guy by the name of Sam Burns. Uh, to make a top 10, he's coming in at plus 500, so you got some good value there. Sam Burns, this may come out a little biased because he is uh, an LSU Tiger. Um, yeah. He played golf at LSU, so yes, uh, a little biased in that respect, but he's been playing really well. Uh, his last two starts, he two tournaments ago, he got the win. Uh, and then in his last start uh, last week, he tied for second. And so Sam Burns is playing really well. The guy can hit the ball a long way. Um, and, you know, he's a tiger at heart. And so I think uh, all the, the combination of those things really 
uh, you add up to him making a top 10 this week at Kiowa. And so I like Sam Burns at plus 500 to finish in the top 10. Love that. Love a, love a good little LSU shout out. I know they're, uh, you're trying to stay unbiased. So I will take your advice on the bet, but I know there is some, uh, not, not necessarily bias, but excitement with that pick that you get to make. So Sam Burns, top 10 finish. Love that pick. Who's going to be a top five finisher? In terms of top five, I'm going to play it safe here. Um, I'm going with Xander Schauffele uh, at plus 350. Um, he's only been on the tour for four years, and he already has five top five finishes in majors. Um, so the guy comes to play every major. He hasn't won one yet. He's a popular pick to finally get over the hump and win this week. Um, I'm not sure I, I'm sold on him winning, uh, but I do think he will play well. He's so consistent. Um, and he always shows up at these majors. And so I think it's a safe play at plus 350 for him to, uh, to finish top five this week. That's a good pick there as well. So Sam Burns plus 500 for top 10. Xander Schauffele plus 350 for top five. What about some prop bets? What are some fun bets you've seen out there? Some, you know, just good prop bets that you think we should hit on this week. So there's really only one that jumped out to me that I liked, um, but I do really like this. Uh, the top European, I'm going with Victor Hovland at plus 550. Um, I've been a big John Rom fam. Uh, I'm a little bit off off his uh, trail based on his performance at, at the match. He, he played well at the Masters. I thought he was going to win it. Um, you know, this week I'm, I'm going Hovland, though. I think he uh, – He's due for a big week, and I, I think he'll outplay the other uh, top Europeans like a Tommy Fleetwood or a John Rahm or a Lee Westwood. Nice. That's a, a good pick there. And there, there probably is some uh, some concern with Rahm, especially, uh, you know, he you were hammering him on your uh, master's bets, and some of those didn't quite come through for us. So glad to see you're taking it a different direction with this one. Going with Hovland, <laughs> great pick there. Lastly, I want to know who is your favorite to win. If I'm going to put some money down on a winner of the PGA championship, give me the smart bet. Who am I winning some money by betting on? Yes. Yeah, we're not going anywhere. We're sticking with my man, Victor Hovland at plus <laughs> 2000. Uh, you know, here's why I like Vic. He came in, uh, he came on tour two years ago as a rookie uh, and a great class with guys like Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa, um, you know, all guys who have a bright future in the game of golf on the PGA Tour. Victor watched his peer, Colin Morikawa, win a major last year. Uh, he won the U.S. Open. Um, and now I think it's Hovland's turn. I really do. He's been playing well. Uh, his last two starts, he's tied for third. Um, I just think he, he's going to like this course quite a bit, the link style. He can hit the ball out there a ways. He's, he's accustomed to playing in wind, um, you know, being from, uh, I think he's from, I want to say Finland. Uh, so he, it's, I think it's pretty windy out there. And so um, <laughs> for, for a number of reasons, I just think it's, it's time. I can see Hovland holding up that trophy on Sunday. Uh, and I'd also love to see this happen. So maybe a little bias in there, but it's great value plus 2000 throw a little bit on it. He's a fun guy to root for. Um, and I don't think he'll be sorry come Sunday. You hear it. You heard it here first. Hovland plus 2000 to win the PGA championship. 
Uh, We've seen Bitcoin tank over the last couple of days. I know people out there have lost some money. If you want to make it back up, listen to Barton. These are the picks to make. Sam Burns plus 500 for a top 10 finish. Xander Schauffele plus 350 for a top five finish. We've got top European Hovland at plus 550 and Hovland to win it all plus 2000. Sounds like some money is out there to be made with those picks. I love it, Barton. Any uh, any, any last words on the PGA Championship? That wraps it on the PGA Championship. It, it starts uh, Thursday morning, bright and early. Um, it's an East Coast tournament, obviously. So make sure you're up and, and ready to go to, to watch the, those first groups tee off. Uh, but yeah, that'll wrap it on the PGA. I do, before we go, I did miss one question uh, on the NBA segment that I, I want to ask you. Okay. Um, this this has to do uh, this has to do with uh, the Nuggets Trailblazers series. But what I want to know is how do you think the intimidation factor uh, Nuggets head coach Mike <laughs> Bone Malone brings to the series will impact the Blazers' performance? The guy brings intensity. He brings that BDE. What do you think is going through the Blazers' head going up into this matchup? I know they're scared, but they uh, they have beat Mike Malone in the playoffs in the last uh, two years ago. They they knocked him out. The Blazers have the longest active uh, playoff appearance streak in the league, but the Nuggets are the only team in the league to have three consecutive uh, postseasons where they've earned home court advantage in the playoffs. And a lot of that is because of your boy, Mike uh, so I, I do think there is some intimidation factor there. I think the bone is going to be ready to go. He is going to be up and at him. And, uh, there is some, uh, there is a, a definitely, uh, s- some role to be played in this series with, uh, the way the Blazers are a little bit afraid of, uh, your boy, Mike Malone. So that'll come into play. We'll see if the, the Trailblazers can, uh, can stay calm under pressure and continue going, but, that's a good question there. I'm excited to see what, what your boy Bone brings. <laughs> Beautifully answered. And I appreciate you you entertaining my humor there. Um, but yeah, I mean, with a, with a coach with a reputation like that, I'm, any team would be shaking in their boots. And so I'm sure they weren't happy when they drew that matchup against the Nuggets. But like you said, an upset might be looming. And so we'll, we'll have to wait and see if your, your Trailblazers can pull it off. Definitely. We'll find out a lot. We'll find out a lot over the next couple of days as the play-in tournament wraps up. The rest of the postseason starts to take shape and, and starts to happen. Uh, the first playoff games start this Saturday. Um, I think around noon is the first game. I think Bucks Heat is the first game of the day on Saturday. So playoffs are kicking off. We are in full swing PGA Championship this weekend. Um, we'll be back next week to cover it again and update on the start of the playoff games. Um, you know, we'll see how, how Barton's bets turned out if we, if we did make up all the, our money. Um, so a lot to watch for this weekend. We're excited to continue covering it all. And I uh, really appreciate everyone tapping in with us and, and listening to the podcast. Yeah, man. Great episode. It was a lot of fun chopping up with you. I uh, can't wait to run it back next week but as you said thanks to all those who listened you know the drill in the meantime like rate review and above all subscribe smash that subscribe we will be back next week appreciate you guys we will talk to you soon peace later druthers